this thing. Love that bumper. As long as I don't get too excited. Yeah. Um, well, I've already had a couple of, at least one person weigh in on the message this morning. I couldn't get any, either of my printers to print this morning. So I texted Richard and said, if I email you my message, could you print it for me? I said, I don't know what's wrong with my printer. I don't know, is, that, is that good or bad? I get back this message from Richard. Yes. I'm not sure which question he was answering. <laughs> so it might be bad. It might be good, but yes, he did print it. And he's given me some guidance in this message, which... There's printed, and then there's there's handwritten commentary in here. <laughs> right here says, five-minute mark. <laughs> Fifteen-minute mark. Twenty-five-minute mark. No overtime. Unless the Holy Spirit says so. Richard, I love you. You're so. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, it's interesting. I was thinking while Bill was talking this morning. Um, I started a message about ten weeks ago. It's about three quarters of a page long. Is all, and the title of it is Return. So I think I need to finish that message and give that some time. Um, it kind of prompted me, I was prompted after reading this book, which I don't necessarily recommend that you read, but it's called The Harbinger. Um, but it did send me on a search of things and how much there is a need for the church to return and this nation to return. And um, so I'm sure you're going to hear messages in the future from all of us because of things that have happened the last couple of three days. Um, but today, I want to continue... I've, I've spoken out of this passage twice already. Um, I'm going to speak one more time at least, maybe two more times. Um, but Lisa, thank you so much for reading that scripture because that just was such a confirmation of what the message is about today. Um, so Paul wrote this in 1 Timothy 1.5 to Timothy, and he said, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Have you guys heard that before? I hope so. <laughs> um, so we've looked at the whole concept of a good conscience, and you know, the whole world is guilty, and whether they feel guilty or not, they are guilty. We are guilty. Um, and the world tries all kinds of ways to deal with that guilt, either hide it or deal with it. Uh, there are intellectual ways, like saying what's wrong is right. We've got a great example of that on Friday. Um, there, people cope with it in physical ways. They just stay busy. They stay in sports, they stay in hobbies, they stay listen to music. Just stay busy and don't think about it. And then the other way, surprisingly, and the one most often used, is religion. Um, people all over the world use religion to placate their God 
of that higher power that they believe there is. And we do the same thing in, in our Christianity, except Christianity is not a religion, but a lot of Christians make it a religion. And so that's the whole problem we have with these bad consciences that we have. And so I want to look at having a sincere faith and what that means for us. Uh, it's really a very, very basic message. We've all heard it lots of times. I just hope that today we, God just opens up a little bit more of a window into the truth of how basic this is and how much we believe it and maybe how little we really live like this. And so we're going to look at this whole thing about a sincere faith today. And um, so what I want to do is just kind of review the word sincere first. So there are lots of words that describe faith in the Bible. There's strong faith, weak faith. There's sincere faith. And the word sincere means pure, unmixed, genuine. It's not hypocritical. It's without pretense or falsehood. It's pure. And so Paul gives this instruction um, in Romans, and we're going to look at a couple of verses in Romans this morning. This one you're all very familiar with, Romans 1, 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. You guys just have proclaimed that for days and days and days. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power for salvation, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in it the gospel is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, just like Lisa read earlier, the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. Now, unfortunately, the world turns this all around, all kinds of ways around. Uh, I remember watching the Indiana Jones movie. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, it had something to do with the, the, the Holy Grail. And so there are these places that Indiana Jones has to get these three places he has to get through to get to the Holy Grail. And um, the first one, there's a clue given. He has his clue from his dad. And it says, the penitent man shall pass. That's a terrible, terrible interpretation of this. The penitent man shall pass. So if you're sorry, then it's okay. If you'll humble yourself and be sorry, everything's okay. And that's pretty much the way a lot of religions are. But that's not what it says. What does it say? It says, the righteous man shall live by faith. So easy. I mean, it's simple to understand, isn't it? So can you guys say that with me? The righteous man shall live by faith. Right. So that's Romans 16 and 17. For the rest of chapter 2 and through the 20th verse of 
the third chapter of Romans, Paul, Paul goes on to explain why everyone, no matter whether they're Jew, Greek, barbarian, slave, free, why everyone is guilty before God. And he sums that up. Let's see. Was that five minutes? He sums that up like this. There's none righteous, not even one. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law, comes the knowledge of sin. So whether you're under the law as a Jew, you've been given the Ten Commandments, or whether you're under the law that's written in your heart, working that out will not justify you before God. In other words, God is so righteous that he has shut up all of humanity because of Adam, and we have his nature into this place where the verdict is guilty and none are worthy to stand before him. But everyone today is trying to justify themselves. I mean, how many times, particularly me, have asked, what's my reason for living? I've got to have a reason for living. I've got to justify why I'm here. There's got to be a reason I'm here. And so we all, we all try to justify our being, some way or another. But Paul goes on, and this is the passage we really want to look at, is Romans 3, 21 through um, 26, I think, if you want to look at that. We cannot justify ourselves. You might be able to justify yourself to yourself, but we're never going to justify ourselves before the Lord. He's given us a way. Just do these things. But none of us can do them. None of us can do them. Let's read uh, Romans 3.21, these few verses together. But now, we'll talk about that, the but now. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation for in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that the world would be just, so that he would be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There are a lot of spiritual words in there that we kind of have this idea of what they mean. I'm going to read this again in 
the easy to read version, <laughs> which is a little bit easier for simple me to understand. But let me read it, read the same thing to you in the easy to read version. But God has a way to make people right, and it has nothing to do with the law. He has now shown us a new way which the law and the prophets told us about. God makes people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. He does this for all who believe in Christ. Everyone is the same. All have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness. They are made right with God by his grace. This is a free gift. They are made right with God by being made free from sin through Christ Jesus. God gave Jesus as a way to forgive people's sins through faith in him. God can forgive them because the blood sacrifice of Jesus pays for their sins. God gave Jesus to show that he always does what is right and fair. He was right in the past when he was patient and did not punish people for their sins. And in our own time, he still does what is right. God works all this out in a way that allows him to judge people fairly and still make right any person who has faith in Jesus. So we're going along talking about the law. We're, Paul's going along. He talks about that all are guilty. There's no chance for anybody. And then in verse 1 he says, but now. There's another way. This is the way it's been. But now there's another way that's apart from the way it's been. What was that way that it's been? Obey the law. No one's been able to do that. So God says, there's another way. And then he says, and the law and the prophets have borne witness to it. And so Lisa read that verse out of Hebrews, but where in the world, because it says as it is written, is in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Habakkuk. And so the context of it in that book is interesting because Habakkuk was a prophet, and he was bemoaning to God. Similar situation we're in right here. Similar situation. Why all the evil and injustice in my nation, in, in my people, in the Israelites? Lord, don't you see that? Can't you hear me asking you about that? I kind of think we're kind of there, aren't we? We're there. God says, well, I'm going to give you an answer, and you're not going to believe the answer I'm going to give you. Because I'm going to raise up a people, a fierce people, that's going to, that's, that I'm going to use to discipline you. So Habakkuk thinks about this for a minute. He knows it's the Chaldeans. They're going to, they're going to come, and they're going to, they're just like marauders. They, they will just clean the land. And so Habakkuk's response back to God is, well, God, 
you may have chosen them, but you're going to, you can't look on that kind of evil for a people that are less righteous than us. You're going to, you're going to use a people when we're more righteous than them, you're going to use them. And so Habakkuk says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the wall and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch. I'm going to watch for God's answer on this one. I just got to hear what he's going to say. And so God says, you wait for the vision. And when I show it to you, you write it down. And this is the very next verse. This is the very next verse that comes. 2-4. It's almost like he, he steps down and he says, Habakkuk, now listen to this. Listen to this verse and think about it. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Habakkuk, yes, you're more righteous than they, but your righteousness isn't good enough. If you think it is, you're proud in your soul. Now, we know that the righteous man shall live by faith. What made Abraham righteous? His circumcision? He came way before the law. <coughs> Abraham believed God. He believed God. And God said, I want to count that as righteousness. Believing and trusting God. Even David in the Psalms wrote this. It is a great blessing when the Lord accepts people as if they were without sin. David knew it. Habakkuk understood it. Abraham understood it. So God reveals another way, apart from the law, the way of faith. For white people that believe, for only young children with childlike faith that believe. For everyone. For all. For all who believe. But, you know, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does fall short of the glory of God mean? We talked about the glory of God. I tried to talk about it <laughs> a few weeks ago that you know it deals with the weightiness of who he is um, and and so what is the, the glory of God is who he is compared to everything he's not just a big perfect human he's other he's different than you and I and that difference is perfection it's righteousness it's goodness and it's mercy and forgiveness. That's who he is. He's different from us. His, 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 he doesn't have a big, big, perfect brain like us. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. And he's all-powerful. He has all authority. He is, as we sung this morning, he is Lord. It's more than just singing it. It's like, you really are Lord of all. And so, what does it mean then to fall short of the glory of God? Well, if, let's just say a real important person 
of great stature and position was in this room and you did something that was really kind of unbecoming in front of that person. That, you know, that is not, that is disrespectful, isn't it, to do that. So, since God is omnipresent, we fall short of the glory of God when we dishonor him in the way we think or speak or act. Well, that's a lot of times, isn't it? I mean, if he's, if he's always present, do we act like we ought to act when he's around all of the time? Do we think like we ought to think? It dishonors, it dishonors who he is. I mean, it puts a whole new slant for me on what is sin. It's really dishonoring God. And then when we sin against one another, we dishonor him because you're made in his image. And I sin against you. That's falling short of the glory of God. The weightiness of who he is and how unbecoming we may think or act in his presence. But God said, there's got to be another way. I, he so loved the world that there's got to be another way. And so verses 24 through 26 tells the way. It says, being justified as a gift by his grace through redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. The Verse 23 is all about us. We all fall short. These verses, it's all about God. God does everything in verses 24, 25, and 26. That's why we believe it's in grace alone. Being justified. He's the justifier. We're the ones on which the action is occurring. We are the ones that are being justified. We're not justifying ourselves, but he is doing that. And the Greek word for justified is essentially the same word that we interchange for righteousness. So righteousness or righteous and justify are basically the same Greek word. So what happens when we're justified, when we're declared righteous? When you are righteous, you are declared righteous not made righteous. You, we don't have the real righteousness of God, but judicially he says, your position before me now is righteous. You know, as, as I have thought about this verse for the last four weeks because I have been on my back, in the, in the, in the bathroom, on my back, and had a lot of time, and you need to spend some time thinking about it. And let God just deal, deal with you the depths of what it means. It is so freeing. I'm righteous. We're going to get to the love with a pure heart one of these days, but I'm righteous. So I'm sitting there, I'm righteous. Okay, so Preston, why, why are you doing the things you do? 
That is a penetrating question. I'll tell you, I wept one day thinking, my God, how much of the stuff have I done working for you instead of just walking in the goodness of who you are? You, you can't work for God because if you work, then you're owed something. We can't obligate God. He's given us everything already. And I tell you, it makes you examine your motives. It really does. I'm excited, you know. I, I'm a new place of freedom, new place of understanding what it means to walk today by faith and righteousness. I don't have to. I don't have to do anything to add to my righteousness. And if I try to, it's sin. I'm trying to add to what I've been given freely. God doesn't just, wow, I just, that just makes me feel so good. Well, we've been paid for it. That's the God we serve. You know, it's by, it says it's by grace, which means it's unmerited, undeserved. But then we go and we work for God and hope we think we deserve something now. It's all by grace. Even sanctification, working it out, is his grace. And he gives us grace to yield and to work with him. Um, and he says it's as a gift. So we can't pay for it. We can't work for it. It's amazing. God gives it as a gift. It's his grace that gives it. He's the justifier. And so how did he do that? He says, I'm going to volunteer my son. Hey, son. We've got a mission, and it's not really a co-mission. It's a mission for you. Jesus came for that purpose. To bear the wrath of God through Think on that for 30 or 40 minutes later on a life pack. Um, to bear the wrath of God for me. You know the nice thing about justification, being justified. It's more than just being forgiven. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times as a father, when your kids are really bad and you have to punish them, whether it's talk a long time, like your dad did, or you get a spanking, or whatever, you know, basically you're saying, you're forgiven, you can go now. Most of the time, they want to go. You may hug them, but they're ready to go. Okay? But just being justified is more than you can go. It's you're righteous. You can come and have relationship with me. Not just go, 
come and enter in to fellowship. Boast in what Jesus has done. Call me Abba Father. Come let the Spirit counsel you, lead you. And guess what? Convict us. I can be convicted now instead of condemned. I'm righteous. Get off my back, Satan. No condemnation. But Holy Spirit, convict me if I'm being dishonoring to my Father. There's no fear in conviction. In perfect and pure love, if you're afraid, if we, if we live things, we do things in our life because we're afraid, I'm going to fall out of favor with God. Do you, do you really live by faith? There's a love that should come forth, that there's a want to instead of an ought to. And because of the fear of the Lord, we do the ought to when we don't want to. But um, for me, um, I'm, I live by faith. And righteous. God says, you're okay with me. That is an amazing place to be and to try to walk with the consciousness of that every day so that the things that you do are not trying to add to it, make up for it, add your little bit. How many of you have been upset with yourself because you thought you were better than that and you wouldn't do something like that. I have. Don't you get disgusted? I thought I was above that. I can't believe I said that or thought that. I can't believe I acted that way. You know. It's our standard we're trying to live up to again. We're trying to justify ourselves something. But God says, a righteous man shall not by faith. If you're righteous, <coughs> then you're righteous. Live that way. Every act of faith that God calls us to after that has to be built on that. <coughs> And God's going to call us to greater and greater steps of faith. But if we don't get this one right, we, we, we open ourselves up to attack. We open ourselves up to duplicity, double-mindedness. Know that you're accepted. Accepted in the beloved. All who believe in Christ Jesus. It's just that simple. And just that hard to live out. That's kind of where we're at. And so I, I just really wanted to share my heart. Maybe today was the test my testimony. But I hope in it um, the Lord just spoke to you about something. So let's pray. Oh God, how good you are. We have no idea how good you are. <laughs> and how patient you are. Oh how patient you are. And how long-suffering you are until we get it, Lord. 
till we get how much you love us, how much you did by your grace to give us a gift that was so costly for you and free to us as we believe. We just bless you. We're humbled by who you are. We're humbled by your majesty. Lord, that you would stoop so low as to rescue us in such a costly way and yet such an easy way for us to just believe. Oh, what a step of faith to walk with that every day, Lord. Give us grace to believe you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Four minutes.